Every week, Hillsdale College President Larry Arn joins Hugh Hewitt to discuss great books, great men, and great ideas. This is the Hillsdale Dialogues, presented by Hillsdale College. To find more episodes, search for Hillsdale Dialogues at SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeart, and Ricochet. Bonjour, hi, Canada, Hugh Hewitt. Last radio hour of the week is always the Hillsdale Dialogue. That music cues it up. Now let me tell you what we've been doing for many weeks. Seven, this is the seventh week that we have been broadcasting the video series from Hillsdale, the Hillsdale uh, Ethics class taught by Dr. Arne to 12 Hillsdale seniors two years ago, captured on a four-camera shoot at the president's home. I hope you download the Salem News Channel and watch this. I mean, you can hear it. Many of you have told me how much you love this series on the ethics. Not surprising, Dr. Arn is a fantastic teacher, and he's nice to these students. He's not very nice to me. But all things Hillsdale can be found at hillsdale.edu, including this video, of course, if you want to watch it and binge watch it. And every single Hillsdale dialogue, including the previous uh, six that we've done in this series on Aristotle's ethics, are all found at hughforhillsdale.com or at iTunes. Just type in Hillsdale Dialogue iTunes, and you'll find the nearly 500 hours that I've spent with Larry Arn and his colleagues at Hillsdale doing the Hillsdale Dialogue, last radio hour of the week for me every single week. So happy that we bring you part seven of ten, segment one of Dr. Arn teaching 12 Hillsdale students Aristotle's ethics. Let's go to that now. The virtue that gets a whole book devoted to it is justice, a moral virtue. They're doing virtues and they're thinking virtues, and the cardinal, the chief, doing virtues are... Uh, Courage, that's about pain. Moderation, that's about pleasure. And justice. And justice is the most public of the virtues because it involves giving to people what they deserve, including yourself. It involves a lot of narrow things like obedience to the law. And see, it matters that it's public because we've already made the argument here, you are made to be involved with other people because you can talk to them and th figure things out with them and do right or not in regard to them. So justice is that and it becomes a complete form of virtue which is the highest way of it because, uh, because you might owe your city defense. That means you have an obligation to others to be courageous. It commands justice in that sense, the complete sense, commands all the other virtues. So uh, I have a general point to make. I want the people who are watching this to understand that this is uh, a seminar and it's the way. It's how you learn the best things. And the seminar is a product of everyone in it some of the very best things that emerge, emerge because somebody asks a question or makes a statement, and that changes the whole discussion. So we have a code at Hillsdale College, and that is go to class ready and be alert. And uh, most of us who teach here expect the students to talk a lot because that's how you know what they know. And so think of it this way, too. When a lot of good minds who are really interested get to working on a subject, it just gets explored a lot better if, than if any one mind does it. It's the human gift, reason and speech. 
So that's how we're proceeding here. Uh, there's one, one virtue in the Nicomachean Ethics that gets an entire book, and that virtue is justice. What is justice? Giving to each uh, what is owed to them. Um, Aristotle talks about it in two senses. Um, the kind of grander um, sense of justice, he calls it complete virtue. Um, and it'd be more of the justice that's within a political community, uh, but also within an individual. And so justice on this kind of grand scale would look like ordering the parts of your soul in the right manner. So it would involve temperance. It would involve being courageous in war and things of that nature. Because those are parts of being, um, of ordering oneself and then in relation to one's neighbor and having the right disposition towards them. So what makes a grand justice complete? Complete means this. Uh, there are uh, four virtues that are said in the ethics to encompass all the others. And one of them is in book four, which we're not talking about, magnanimity. In uh, Greek, uh, megalosukia, mega, big, suke, soul. Psychology comes from the word suke. So having a big soul is one of them. And uh, the next one is justice. And the next one is friendship. And uh, maybe that's the last one. Maybe there are only three. Contemplation turns out to be very high, higher maybe even than friendship, although contemplative friendships are the highest associations. So justice is one that's said to require all the other virtues and be complete in its fullest sense. And Kate, why is that? I was going to say, um, I think what Julia was emphasizing, too, is maybe because when we think of justice, it has kind of a lot to do with this idea of ordering and of proportion. And what we were talking about earlier is all the virtues are these kind of means um, or have this certain element of proportion and order about them. So there's something about, like, when we say someone is a just man, we mean more than just that he, um, like, keeps his contracts or obeys the laws, which is the kind of particular type of justice that Aristotle talks about. Yeah, sort of going off of what Kate said, I think that um, a, a big part of, of that, of justice, too, is that um, whereas all of the other virtues that we've been talking about prior to justice, um, those are all sort of done with relation to oneself, um, but justice then sort of brings together those virtues and then relates them to something outside oneself, so the, um, the things and the people um, around us, and calls us to similarly um, uh, do what is owed to those things. So the narrow sense of justice... We're going to talk about a few examples of it, but just to try to nail down this complete sense, justice is giving what you owe. Thomas Aquinas says that religion is in the domain of justice because God is so great that you owe him service. So giving each thing what it owes. And if you live in a society where everybody gives each thing what the society owes and each other is owed. I remember John Kennedy asked not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. There's a duty in there, and that duty is going to require of you all the virtues. Because one thing you owe your country is its defense, and you need to be courageous. One thing you owe your country is uh, moderation, not consume too much and make yourself into a degraded person, which will have bad effects on others, too. Mason. So we said that in the narrow sense, justice was giving what you owe, but I think this issue comes up in the Republic as well. And I think that the example there is used as like, if you borrow a weapon from a friend of yours, 
then you owe that weapon back to them eventually. But if that friend goes crazy, then nobody would say it would be just to give that weapon back to them. So in what sense does it really come down to giving purely what you owe? That's an example of giving purely what you owe. If he will use the thing to do harm, he's not owed it anymore, right? In fact, Socratic economics is kind of imperial that way because uh, things tend to belong to the person who knows how to use it and will use it well. And, you know, there's an argument that everything, therefore, belongs to Socrates. <laughs> Except that's odd because he didn't want anything. He certainly didn't want possessions. Juan? Well, and could you say also that you owe your friend something higher, which is his, what's good for him? Yeah. And in that case, it wouldn't be something that will cause him harm. Well, and we've been talking about the physical act of, of giving um, what is owed. Um, it, my question would be, as maybe an intellectual virtue as well, that even when you perceive someone doing a beautiful act, when you, uh, in memory, hold it, or when you share the story of that, is that in a way of giving what is owed a form of justice when you remember that beautiful act? Like giving yeah. honor? So, I, I want to... Uh, you're going to say something? Uh, was, like, you mean like giving honor? Yes, like honoring okay. them yeah, in yeah. memory. And that means, in the city, you have a duty to respect the right things. And it's harmful to the city if you don't. In other words, in that sense, it becomes comprehensive and complete. Don't go anywhere, America. I'm coming right back with more Dr. Arn talking to his 12 Hillsdale students about Aristotle's ethics, the book that has endured as his teacher. Harry Jaffa told Larry Arn, now here is a book. And they stayed in the first chapter for the entire semester. Dr. Arn does not do that in this course. In these 10 segments, we're in segment number seven, Don't Go Anywhere. Welcome back, America, all things Hillsdale, here on the Hugh Hewitt Show and everywhere are at hillsdale.edu, including an application for admission in the fall. We're in part seven of the 10-part ethics uh, teaching course that Dr. Arn did with uh, a dozen hand-picked Hillsdale students about the ethics. You get a taste of Hillsdale. You can binge watch all 10 episodes. This is episode seven over at hillsdale.edu, all things Hillsdale there. Now, in the more narrow sense, and remember, the root of justice is in this giving what's owed, and uh, Aristotle uses an example here that shows how funny these distinctions can be. He says, uh, if you commit adultery for lust, that's dissolution or immoderation. But if you do it for gain, that's injustice, because you're taking something you're not owed. It grows out of this Things deserve things, right? This whole conception of the good involves that, right? Because whatever service you owe to the cup is different than the service you owe to a dog that's different than the service you owe to a human. And so all of that grows out of justice in one sense. And that's why justice can be seen as comprehensive. And that's why it's such a long book. Now, book five of the ethics, I will tell you, is uh, a technical book. This translator makes the point that justice is never called beautiful in the book, in this book five, or anywhere in the ethics. On the other hand, he does say that it's uh, some words to the effect of as bright as the morning star. Everybody should watch uh, the movie The Lives of Others. It's subtitled, it's, uh, but it's about communist East Germany. And the point about it is, 
communism has these grand pretensions of uh, making everybody the same. And what it ends up doing is appointing an aristocracy that rules of its own authority and becomes corrupt. Because it's not good for a person to do that. And uh, it makes the point that one in six people living in East Germany was a member of the Stasi. And the film is about two actors who are brilliant and in love with each other. And they've made their peace with the regime. And that means, you know, what they say and how they act and every play has got to be scrutinized and approved. But then the worst thing happens when one of the party bosses decides he wants to sleep with this girl. And what he has the power to do is stop her from acting, take her life away. You know, like this is a lovely woman and this man is a gross old tyrant. And he takes her. And uh, the love between her and the fellow actor, that's uh, lovely to watch and beautiful. This other thing is ugly. Injustice, see. And when it prevails in a city, the city is not happy. It's the reason uh, the worst form of injustice in politics is t tyranny. And, uh, you know, in the modern times, I just taught a course on this. We have a development on tyranny made possible by modern science. We call it totalitarianism. The attempt to appoint a class of people who dominate everything, every law, every thought, everything in the society, and perpetually. Nazism and communism in its various forms have produced the great mass totalitarian nations, which pile up uh, body counts in the tens of millions. But in the classic account of tyranny, in the classic books, especially in uh, Plato and in, uh, in Aristotle and in Xenophon, tyrannies don't tend to last very long. And that is, people don't like them because they don't like injustice. And you know, don't you hear people say, when somebody gets something, was that fair? Like... Uh, Around here, we're pretty hard graders. And uh, if you ever think that somebody gets a better grade because they're favored in some way, that really rankles, right? So justice is appealing and happy-making. Don't go anywhere, America. I'm coming right back. More of Dr. Larry Arn teaching the ethics to his Hillsdale students. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. This is the seventh segment of a 10-week course, and I want to return to it now. Dr. Larry Arn teaching a dozen Hillsdale students Aristotle's Ethics. They're all available for binge-watching at hillsdale.edu, but let's go back to part three of segment seven of this Hillsdale episode. Yeah, so we've talked about justice in the complete sense, but in the in the particular sense, it seems like it's... A virtue of character, but then it also seems, on the other hand, to be so intellectual, knowing what is due to somebody before actually doing it. So how does that, how does justice kind of span the two kinds of virtues? Is that significant? Well, this narrow justice, right. uh, it has aspects that are ugly. Uh, he talks about justice that uh, focuses on setting things straight. And that means something's gone wrong. 
it's not as good to spend your time fixing a wrong as it is doing a right. And so that's why courts of justice, both criminal and civil, criminal courts deal with injustices against the society, and civil courts deal with injustices alleged or done by one individual against another or group. Well, the point is there are always places of contention and uh, anger and claims and counterclaims, right? That's not good. And, you know, that's part of the cussedness of human affairs because of what we're like. We're not perfect. And uh, that kind of justice is certainly not beautiful. But on the other hand, in another way, it's beautiful because the restoration, because that's what, that's what criminal and civil matters are about, is about making the thing right. And it's not good that it went wrong, but now that it has gone wrong, it's better if it can be made right. And now Aristotle's got a bunch of very complicated formulas in book five about uh, the two kinds of justice, commutative and distributive. And, uh, and those are very complex. Whereas the, the big things to know in the chapter of justice is about that to have a just society, it demands a kind of comprehensive justice from most everybody. And if you don't have that, like around here in Hillsdale, uh, people often marvel if you, you know, come to Hillsdale during the term, and if I'm in town, and it's not hard to find out when I'm in town and not, if I'm in town, I go eat in the dining hall with people like these. Always informative, it's always inspiring, it's always amusing. And if you come, I'll take you with me. And we'll sit with these kids and see if we can torture them. Well, one thing you'll notice is everybody's backpack is piled up all over the student union. And there are no lockers. That's because there's justice here. Stuff doesn't get stolen very often. I mean, do you worry about it? Yeah. I leave my stuff all over the place. My method is to leave a trail of my valuables behind me in case I need to backtrack. <laughs> but if I leave my computer somewhere, it'll usually get back to the office about the same time I do. And uh, that's justice, see? And it's good, and we love it, because it's right, and even the restorative kind is an improvement and therefore to be admired. What else do we need to say about justice? We'll read one bit. If we go to page uh, 80, 81, we'll read what complete justice is. And then we'll read one passage about partial justice and we'll get a sense. Uh, uh, let me say, by the way, that like all the virtues, justice involves choosing. Right? And, and you can see how the tension about the choosing, you can see in courage that the tension about the choosing is you might get killed. And you know, you don't really want that. Uh, the tension in moderation is you might not get to do something very pleasant and you want to. The tension in justice is you may have to give up stuff that you want because somebody else deserves it. And, uh, and so all of those involve choosing a good 
over some more narrow interest. And that's the tension in the human soul that shapes it and gives it its direction, either toward virtue or toward vice. Okay. So, 80, 81. Oh, one of the narrow senses it's worth uh, mentioning, Aristotle says, is law-abidingness, which is a good, for sure, and the general senses sort of rise up to be good. Page 80. So in one sense, it begins down there. Somebody start reading there and read to the end of that paragraph. So in one sense, we speak of the things that produce and preserve happiness or its parts in the political community as just. But the law also orders one to do the deeds of a courageous person, such as not to leave one's assigned place or run away or throw down one's arms. And the deeds of a temperate person, such as not to commit adultery or be wildly extravagant, uh, and those of a gentle person, such as not to hit people or slander them. And similarly with the things that are in accord with the other virtues and vices, commanding the one sort and forbidding the other, rightly when the law is laid down rightly, but in a worse way when it is tossed off carelessly. Uh, This sort of justice then is complete virtue, though not simply but in relation to someone else. And for this reason, it often seems that justice is the greatest of the virtues. And neither evening's nor dawn's light is so wondrous. And we say proverbially, injustice, all virtue is together in one. So that's complete. And that's uh, wondrous, he says. Wonder, you know, you know what wonder is. You see something impressive and you want to understand it. All the highest learning begins in wonder. And uh, so justice is wondrous when you see it. Good laws, in what Isaac just read, means that laws that command the practice of the virtues. And the practice of the virtues is good for the people who practice them, and it's good for the people who live around people who practice them. Good for the society. Now, we're going to find out that the practice of the virtues is so radically intentional. A good person is one who would do the right thing without the command of the law. And one of the reasons you have to have good laws is because not everybody's going to do that. So, but for this reason, did you read that, Isaac? I did not, no. Read that. Uh, but for the same reason, justice alone among the virtues seems to be someone else's good because it is in relation to someone else. Uh, for one does things that are advantageous to another person, either to one who rules or to one who partakes in the community. So the point is, courage and moderation and the other virtues that have been talked about on the way to justice, which we're skipping, they have to do with your internal operations. They have powerful effects on other people, but they have to do with you. Justice, in its essence, involves others. And so that means that it's a virtue or a vice that spreads. Uh, Justice requires more than one person, and the widespread practice of justice requires a lot of good people. A majority, for sure, probably an overwhelming majority, is necessary. I think it's still true in America that... uh, Although we have too much violence in our society and we have too much crime, although not as much as we've had in the past, uh, uh, it's, it's actually a rare person who will kill or rob or harm a stranger. 
Most of we do those things to people we love. And, and we do them because the passions are running high around the people we love and we don't have good souls and we lose control of ourselves. But uh, somebody who would just coldly work gross injustice on another person, there may be very many of those people in such a big society as this, but it's a small minority. Yeah. I think a good illustration of this that came to mind is I, uh, in the Gulag Archipelago, Solzhenitsyn writes that at one point he was on his deathbed, and I think this is his conversion experience, when he's crying out for justice for all the evil he sees around him, um, and it suddenly dawns on him that those causing evil to him, to his fellow men, are getting justice in that they are the evil that they're committing is etching their soul, essentially. It's destroying their character. It's corrupting them. Uh, and that is their punishment. So they are, in a sense, receiving justice. Um, and so I think <laughs> what you were saying right now about causing harm to another, you're causing harm, harm to yourself also. You're not just destroying somebody else. That's when you very good justice. So we also use justice to talk about punishing people. I'm wondering if Aristotle would say that in doing justice and punishing someone who deserves it, that we are still giving them or doing good to them, or are we just doing good to the wronged party by restoring what they've they've lost by punishing the wrongdoer? That's a very important question. What do you think the answer to it is? Yeah, I think um, you have in in this particular case you have to look at the justice being done, like the punishment, the just punishment being done in terms of the whole community, right? Because the community, it, like in, in a city, the community is geared towards like attaining the good and creating this environment in which the citizens can pursue a good life. Well, not every person is going to be, or is, is good already. And so by punishing them, you are, the, the city is showing that it is, it has a standard for Okay, good. but that's the civic good, but just remember, if somebody has a stain on their story, giving them a chance to remove it is a benefit to the person. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back with more of Dr. Larry Arn and the Hillsdale Dialogue, Part 7. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Uh, let me introduce you again to what we're doing. If you're a new listener, we added some affiliates on August 1st, and I didn't do my traditional intro uh, because we're in the middle of election season. The Hillsdale Dialogues began many years ago when Dr. Larry Arn and, and his wonderful wife, Penny Arn, the first lady of Hillsdale, okayed the crazy idea that we could make the classics interesting on radio. And they have stuck with us, and we have stuck with them, and we love it. But there's sometimes you got to yield to a better idea. One of the better ideas is that Hillsdale has amazing video courses. The American Founding, the Constitution, Lincoln, Churchill, uh, Shakespeare, they have amazing courses. And if you're a homeschooling parent, you really want to go to hillsdale.edu and avail yourselves of the many, many great video courses. They will take a lot of the teaching burden off of you, and your kids will be watching superbly produced for viewing by a general audience 
and I, I think this includes sixth graders on up, uh, people who are Steelers fans love the Hillsdale video courses, and you will too. So I thought, I collaborated with Larry, and we got Comer and his uh, longtime assistant, who's now in charge of all the online offerings as he finishes his Ph.D., Let's try and bring one of them to radio. They're meant to be watched, right? And they're edited in a continuous stream. But we got together with Kyle and Dwayne and Adam, and we did the video and the audio mix, and we have now on part seven of a 10-week series. Now, some of you say, this is wonderful. This is great. Where do I get the whole thing? That's easy enough. You go to hillsdale.edu. First thing you do is sign up for Imprimus. And that's free. It's all free. All of this is free. Hillsdale does this because of their mission to educate America and keep it free. And then you go find the Hillsdale and you just type in ethics course and you'll go see the 10 episodes that I've been playing for the radio, edited for the radio these last six weeks. This is episode seven. We have three more to go. We broke in with a live episode with Dr. Larry Arn a couple of weeks ago to update you on everything that's been going on in America. But we're back now with segment seven, 12 Hillsdale students brought together by Dr. Arn two years ago to teach the ethics to them and have them teach the ethics to him, which is good teaching. Learn how to teach, learn the ethics by listening. Segment four of episode seven right now, Dr. Larry Arn, Hillsdale.edu. In a proper system, the punishments that are given to convicts are chosen by the convicts. If, on the other hand, you converted the prisons so that the whole purpose was rehabilitation, then you could do anything to people that you thought would make them the way you want, right? So in a, in a just system, the limit on the punishment is set by the one who endures it. In, in the Christian world, you're supposed to love everybody, including whom you har- the, the, those who harm you. Mm-hmm. And that seems to me a sublime thing It also doesn't erase the fact that the justice that's done to people is good for its own sake and good for them, even if they don't realize it, but good abstracted from them as well. Uh, You're in a much stronger position to forgive a harm that's done to you than to forgive a harm that's done to somebody else. The kind of harms that are crimes are harms done to the community in a just regime. Loving the community requires restoration. And it should be good for the person. But just remember, vicious people, if they remember their their aerosols claim is there are almost no vicious, there are no, actually, there are no truly vicious people who have not cultivated that in themselves. And that means somebody who's just abused and, and, uh, deprived and distorted, they're not fully vicious because their will is not wrapped up in it in the same way. They have not produced the effect themselves. And that means that a fully vicious person, which are rare, you can't benefit them. So to encapsulate justice, what are the key features? It's the first of the moral virtues that necessarily involves other people therefore is more public and therefore spreads an injustice similarly. That it involves giving to people what they owe and because what one owes his city is service, 
it's actually a complete, a comprehensive virtue in the largest sense because it can mean that you have to develop the virtues of courage and moderation and wisdom in order to be a good citizen. And the society will prosper if it's like that. And if it's not like that, it won't. Also, don't commit adultery. <laughs> That's it for this week of the Hillsdale Dialogue. The ethics will continue next week for three more weeks. It also is always available at hillsdale.edu and all of our dialogues dating back many, many years, more than 475 of them now, are all found over at hughforhillsdale.com or at uh, iTunes. Just type in Hillsdale Dialogue and iTunes, you'll get them all. Thanks for listening to the Hillsdale Dialogues presented by Hillsdale College. For more episodes, search for Hillsdale Dialogues at SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeart, or Ricochet. For more information about Hillsdale College, head to hillsdale.edu.